It's time to thrive. Welcome to the Thrivology Podcast with Dr. Lee Bauckham. Join us as we explore ways that you can thrive in your life, regardless of what life throws at you. It's your life. Time to live it. Hey, this is Lee Balkum, and we are talking about tools for thriving. You might notice a few sounds of nature in the background because I realized that one of the things that is a tool for thriving is making sure that you've got yourself exposed to beautiful surroundings and you're in nature a little bit. That's not the tool I want to talk about today, but I decided to bring the podcast outside just a little bit so we have that ambient noise in the background that just lets us know that we're part of the world, part of nature. But today, what I want to talk about, the tool that I want to talk about today is something that we have at our disposal at any time. It's the things we can control. Here's the reason that's a tool. (laughs) We spend lots of time trying to make the things we can't control into the tool that we try to use. And it fails. And so instead, I thought today that we would talk some about the things you can control and the fact that that's the tool set. If you're focused on the things you can't control, you know where that leads. It leads to frustration and and upset because you don't have any way of really making a change in that. If you've ever had those times when you're trying to control the world around you with not much success, you know what I'm talking about. In fact, if you have had people say, hey, you know what, you're just really controlling, or maybe you look at others and say, wow, they're really controlling, then you know that part of what's happening in, even in that conversation is that that person is trying to control something that can't be controlled. I see it in relationships all the time. I have many couples who come to me uh, proclaiming that both are, they, they proclaim for each other that the other is controlling. Uh, and Interesting that it's very hard to imagine that both are actually in control, but we spend a lot of our time in life trying to control things that we cannot control. In fact, I would say that we spend an inordinate amount of time trying to control the things we cannot control, and we spend far less time controlling the things that we can control. The ancient Stoics divided the world into two pieces, the things we can influence and the things we cannot influence. Now, the ancient Stoics, great philosophers, telling us how to live in harmony with the world, how to live uh, finding some peace and quiet in the world, no matter what's going on in our lives, were kind of the early thrivers, in my opinion, because they recognize that a lot of times we get wrapped up in trying to control things that are beyond our control. And so they suggested that you look for the things that you can influence, the things you can control some, and the things you cannot influence, the things you can't control, and make a distinguishing factor between the two. Now what they did say is that for the things you can't control, you should be indifferent. In other words, uh, you don't let that uh, determine your emotional state. Now a lot of times people think of the Stoics as being you know, just plain indifferent. They don't care about anything, that there is no reaction. Uh, When we talk about Stoic reactions, we're not really reflecting the philosophy because the ancient Stoics believed that you should spend your time focusing on building your virtues and focusing your time on controlling the things or influencing the things you can influence. So borrowing from uh, the Stoics, let's talk about the things you can control and the things you can't control, the things you can influence and the things you can't influence. The fixation is always on what we can't control. That makes sense because, you know, we keep trying. And that's the problem with the things that we can't control. You just keep thinking if there's some way of doing that, 
maybe you would find that answer. Maybe you'd finally make progress if you could just figure out how to wrap your arms around that thing you, you can't control. We spend a lot of effort on that. You think about that in relationships. We think about it with kids. You know, we try to control what our kids do, what our spouse does, what friends do, what our boss does, what our coworkers do, what the people who work for us. I mean, we're constantly in circles that we're, we're trying to get people to do what we want them to do, usually with pretty dismal results. In fact, in my estimation, what generally happens when you're trying to control other people is they pull harder. They try to pull, prove that you cannot control them by pulling away even harder. So let's talk about the three things that you can control, and then we'll talk about the things you can't control. First, the three things you can control, and you can remember them very easily because they're the three A's of what you can control. They are your aspirations, your attitude, and your actions. That's what you can control. Your aspirations, your attitude, and your actions. So let's take them one by one. I believe that we all have a, a choice over what we aspire to. The things that we aim towards, things that we want to move towards. Those are our aspirations. We aspire to uh, make an impact in the world, to make a difference. We aspire to do different things. We aspire maybe even to uh, do different, different activities. That's our aspirations. And we get to choose those aspirations. Now, remember that choosing the aspiration doesn't mean that it's going to happen. It just means that you get to choose what you're going to move towards. Aspirations, they're always aspirational. And there's also another component of kind of a mirror image of what you aspire for, and that's what you fear. So if you aspire to have a loving, connected relationship, you fear having a disconnected relationship. If you aspire to having great things, you fear not having great things. They just kind of come hand in hand. But we get to choose our aspirations, the things we want to move towards, the, the goals we have in life, the dreams we have, the hopes we have for how we're going to live in the world. That's an, entirely up to you. You can sit down and make a list of the things that you aspire to and move in that, that direction. You also have a, a choice in your attitude. You have full control over your attitude. Now, I don't mean having a positive, like always upbeat attitude. We get a little confused with what I mean by attitude. And a lot of people think, oh, you mean like a, a good attitude or a bad attitude. That's not what we mean at all. When I started teaching scuba, I, I was working with the person who taught me how to uh, scuba dive. And Ray uh, is in his 70s and still gets out and barefoot uh, skis on the weekends. He also always rides his motorcycle different places, uh, still dives, still uh, paddle boards with me, and uh, just leads a very active life. Ray also believes that everybody can choose a positive mental attitude. Not a positive attitude, but a positive mental attitude. And I realized that Ray had a good point. At the beginning of all of our scuba classes, we start with one request, that everybody maintain a positive mental attitude. What does that look like? Well, it means that they will decide that they're going to try to do everything we ask. Instead of having an attitude that they can't do something, we only ask that they have an attitude that they will give it their best shot, that they will try. Let me tell you how that worked out for me. I remember I'd gone through class. It had been pretty easy for me. It kind of came second nature to me. And then we got to this one class. It was one of the last class, and we had to do an activity that's called Doff and Don. Doff and Don, which uh, most 
most uh, scuba diving uh, training programs don't do anymore. It meant that you would go to the middle of the pool and you would dive to the bottom and you would take off all of your equipment, including your mask, your fins, your everything, regulator, tank, everything is on the ground and take off your weight belt and swim slowly to the surface. Once you got to the surface, you'd get uh, kind of set to do it in the reverse order. So you would dive back down to the bottom of the pool. And the bottom of the pool at this particular pool was 10 feet down. Once you were down there, you had to reassemble all of your equipment, put it back on, stay at the bottom until you were checked out and come back up. It was a mental challenge to think about how to do that. So part of that positive mental attitude was choosing to try it out, choosing to do my best to do it, even though it psyched me out a little bit. And now that I'm on the other side of it, the interesting thing is I recognize it's not that hard of a task, except for how it seems to be a difficult task. And so part of what I learned in the process was that I was capable of managing myself underwater. That's why we did the exercise, so people felt confident. So you might ask, when is that ever going to help? Well, it helped me when I was swimming around in a sunken ship and um, the door got uh, shut and I had to go through a window. And the only way I could go through the window was by taking off my equipment and moving it through. That's the practical application. But more than that, the psychological application of having mastered that skill gave me great confidence in doing what I needed to do only because I chose to take the attitude that I could do it. Confidence is something we talk about in our culture a lot, and and a lot of people want to feel self-confident. In fact, most people want to feel self-confident before they take action. And for me, the, the definition of confidence is having the belief that you can figure it out as you go, that you can figure out what you need to figure out. That's confidence. It's not the belief that you can do something. It's the belief that you can figure it out and you'll make it through. That's a positive mental attitude. That's another way of of looking at the same idea of attitude. So when I say you have control over your attitude, you can choose that. In the difficult times, you have a choice between saying, I can't do this, I can't figure this out, I don't know what to do, or to say, I will figure it out, I will give it my best shot. We always have a choice over our attitude. The third A, action. We always have a choice over our actions. Sometimes we pretend we we don't have that. You can say, well, I can't help that. I can't help that I had a strong reaction. I can't help that I yelled at that person. I can't help that I threw that down. I can't help that I slammed the door. I can't help that I fill in the blank. We are fully responsible for our actions, but only when we realize that we are choosing our actions had someone once in my office tell me that he couldn't help the fact that when he was at home, he would stomp his feet and, and scream at people and slam doors and throw things. And I said, you can't help it. He said, no, it just happens. You know, it's just, just me expressing myself. That, I just can't help it. There's no way to hold that in. And I said, okay, so let me ask you a question. If you were in court, standing before the judge, would you stomp your feet, yell, throw things? He said, absolutely not. I said, why wouldn't you? And he said, because that would get me in trouble because you know, th- there's, this person has control over that. The person could place me in jail. And I said, exactly. So you choose your actions. Whether you want to admit it or not, you've chosen your actions at home because you could choose your action not to. And that's the fact that we always have con- choices, control over our action. 
Now, there's some pieces in there that are difficult. You know, people who suffer from uh, different disorders and addictions may struggle to maintain uh, themselves, but it always boils down to us choosing our actions. Those are the pieces that we can control. Those are the three things that we can control. Your aspirations, your attitude, and your actions, which leaves a lot of things outside of our control. For instance, you can't control your fears. They're just going to pop up. That's what fears do. They, they sneak up behind you and they try to convince you to believe them. You can't control the fears. They're going to pop up. You can decide how much attention you're going to give to them. You can decide whether you're going to follow those fears or whether you're going to let them go. You can't control your thoughts. That's what your mind does. As we talked about last week uh, in the, the fact that a thought is a thought, that's the fact that our mind just creates thoughts. That's what a mind does. It's designed to come up with thoughts, some that are helpful, some that are not so helpful, just what it does. They pop into your head, so you can't control whether they pop into your head. You can't control, maybe you're driving along and, and some odd thought pops into your head and you, you can't believe that you would even think that thought. Or maybe that happens somewhere else and you just can't believe you'd have that thought. Well, just remind yourself that your mind is cooking it up, but you don't have to accept that thought. You don't have to live with that thought. You don't have to keep thinking about that thought. You just recognize that you don't have control over a thought that pops into your head. You do have a choice on how long you give that thought room in your head and how much room you give it. And then there's something else that you can't control, and this is the one that gets us in trouble probably more than anything else. You can't control other people's actions. We don't have control over that. Our children take action that we might not want them to take. Our children take actions that we would love for them to take. Our spouse does the same. Our friends do the same. Coworkers, bosses, people underneath us, the world, the governments, people take action that we don't have any choice in. And part of what happens in life is we decide that we should be able to control it. We can't. And that's what gets us into trouble around that. We keep trying to control it and we lose ground. Think about how many people try to control a spouse only to find that that spouse decides to be uncontrolled by leaving, by acting out in some other way, by refusing to be uh, pushed under by, by a choice of somebody else. That's just kind of what we do. Kids do the same thing. Kids are constantly reminding us that they don't, we don't have control, that they are in control. Years ago, I was talking uh, with a, uh, a person at a school, uh, one of the leaders of the school, and he said, you know, I never ask a parent to apologize for their child's actions because their child's actions are their child's. That's always true. We know that deep inside. That's what we get caught up in, though, and we try to control the things we can't control. So now we've kind of distinguished the pieces of the puzzle. The things you can control, your aspirations, your attitude, your actions. Those are what are within your control. And then there are the things that you can't control. The fears that pop into your head, the thoughts that pop into your head. You do have a choice on how you're going to allow that room to grow, how much space you're going to give it. And you also have no control other people's actions over other people's aspirations, their fears, their thoughts. You don't have control over the things outside of that. So the question is always, can I control this? And this is the tool. This is the tool you want to use to ask that simple question. Can I control this? Is this something that is within my control? 
So something comes up and you feel the need to try to control it. The simple question is, can I control this? Is it about my aspirations or my attitude or my actions? If not, release and let it be. If yes, then you do the best you can. That's the only two answers, yes or no. Yes, I have control over this. Yes, this is within my aspirations, my attitude, my actions. And I'll choose to do the best I can. Or no, it's not. And I've got to release it and let it go. Sometimes people come up to me and say, you know, I'm just wondering, should I worry about, and they'll say X, should I worry about something? And, and we go back to that question, can you control this? Should I worry about this bump on my arm? Well, can you control that? Can you go to the doctor and have it checked out? You don't worry about it, you go take care of it. Should I worry about how my spouse's actions? Do you have any control over a spouse's actions? No. You don't worry about it, you let it go. Because sometimes we uh, sneak in this little thing that worry is really an attempt to control something that's usually with, with, within our, not within our capacity of controlling. So when you find yourself in the midst of worrying, this is when we step back and ask, is the worry my attempt to control something that I can't control? If it is, we need to let it go. If it's not, we need to do the best we can to take action. So remember to focus on the things you can control, your aspirations, your attitude, and your actions. And remember to release and let be the things that are not in your control. Fears that pop in your head, thoughts that pop in your head. You don't have to give them a lot of room, but you need to recognize that they do that. And other people's actions, other people's thoughts, attitudes. When you do that, you begin to reclaim more and more of your life. So the tool this week is to recognize what you can control your aspirations, your attitude, and your actions, and release the rest. If this has been helpful for you and you think you need some more strategies, let me tell you about my book, The Thrive Principles. Thrive Principles, my most recent book, has 15 strategies for how to thrive in life no matter what life throws your way. I'm not looking to build a life where nothing bad happens, no challenges, no failures. That's not life. That's a, a false place but how to deal with those places and grow. It's all about how you grow and move towards building your thriving life. If that would be helpful, you can check it out at thethriveprinciples.com, thethriveprinciples.com. We'll be back next week with another tool in your thriving toolbox. I wish you the best as you continue to work to build a thriving life. listening to the Thrivology podcast. Thank you for listening. If you want more information, visit us at thrivology.com or at thrivologymagazine.com. Remember that Thrivology is spelled T H R I V E O L O G Y. It's your life. Time to live it.